It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast, and it's the Friday show. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon, Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and download wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Gordon, happy Friday to you, sir. Doing good. Uh, excited. It's almost the end of September, the, the hump month of the year, which is September. And uh, getting ready for the fall. We had a cross-country meet happen last night in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, more cross-country mm. action happening this weekend, along with Berlin Marathon, Great Manchester Run, track season's over. Uh, it's starting to become road running season and grass running season. So I'm excited. Um, excited for this weekend, going to Flagstaff. So get myself acclimated to the elements of fall mm-hmm. running by going to Flag. So it's going to be good. Altitude as well there for you. Yes. Any highlights from the meet in Eugene last night? Uh, I guess, I mean, Cooper Tier won the race. Surprise, surprise. Uh, his teammate, Aaron Benfeld, the transfer from Cincinnati, he was second, so Oregon went 1-2. However, no Cole Hawker, obviously. He is pro, so mm-hmm. they didn't dominate the race as well as they could have because they probably could have gone 1-2-3. They won, I believe, like with only three or four points over a uh, Gonzaga squad. So nothing too crazy on the men's side. On the women's side, um, Utah won easily. Arkansas women did not run well. And Oregon won with an unattached athlete. Izzy Mm -hmm. Thorne. Izzy Thorne, I forget her name is. Uh, So an athlete who has eligibility, but uh, looks like they want to preserve her eligibility for now. Um, she won the race. I'm going to bring up her name. Her name is uh, – sorry about that. Uh, Izzy right. Thornton-Bot. Izzy Thornton-Bot. Um, so she beat Lauren Gregory by two seconds. She ran 20.04. So she's a junior. But, yeah, Utah looked good. They put three in the top six. Um, so nothing too crazy. I mean, this meet 
while it had a, a few names, it's not like it's and it's no pre Nats, it's no Nutty Cone, it's no Pac twelve mm-hmm. championship. So uh, you don't really get too much from it. But the people who are supposed to win, Oregon men, Utah women, I guess now they won. So yeah, Utah women were supposed to win. It's not a little no, bit of an upset. I, 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 I kind of created that in my head while I was speaking out. <laughs> I was Arkansas say. was supposed to win. Um, yeah. I really meant the people who were supposed to win on the men's side won. That's what gotcha. I was say. Are you surprised Cooper Tier came back? Yeah, I think we're all going to be kind of light. It's weird. It's like Cooper Tier is good. And like it seems True. like what's he doing in college now, man? He's, he's a senior, I guess. But it's like one of those things where, man, go – I guess maybe the contracts out there right now aren't really good and won't be good until 2022 when the 2021 contracts are off the books. Maybe that's yeah. what Cooper's waiting for. It's like, hey, there's, there's not as much money now as there will be next year. Um, yeah. Clearly, there was enough money for Cole Hawker. But I guess Hawker was definitely in a different category as Cooper because Hawker has you know, the Olympian – to his name, he's a bit yeah. younger. He's in a Myler maybe even too. a more Myler, yeah, more marquee event. So a little, they're not technically they're not the same. I do think Cooper though, it's weird, right? Because Cooper was beating Cole in the indoor mile. Yeah. Like Cooper was always having kind of a one up on on Hawkers. Is that you know Cooper had to run into the two Bowerman guys and Paul Chalimo to get fourth at the Olympic trials. Yeah. So it makes sense that you know. He had a harder path, and maybe just got to wait another year. He's going to go out and win a couple more NCAA titles. Maybe he'll win the NCAA cross. Maybe that was something for him to shoot for. He definitely has the ability to do it and, you know, go into 2022 with a NCAA cross title to his name and then get his contract. Yeah. It's weird, though, because in a way, he doesn't have much left to prove here. I mean, he hasn't doesn't have the NCAA cross title. You're right. But he's also clearly, from a marketing perspective, a contract perspective, below where Hawker was, just because Hawker had that combination of factors that you, you spoke about. But yeah, Cooper's a great miler. He just didn't run the 1500 at the trials and, and ran that 5000, which I thought was the best path forward for him. So he can't really increase his stock that much. And what he has to do to increase his stock is basically win the entire thing, it feels like. Yeah, and it'll be he has the ability. I mean, obviously you have the names like Connor Mance, Wesley Kiptu, mm-hmm. Will Shutt from Florida State out there. Uh, you could argue that NAU, Nico Young, and Abihama Nerz are going to be in the mix. But yeah, really, it's Mance, Kiptu, Will Shutt, and Tier. I'd say the big, the big, the big guys. But arguably, you could you could say. Um, Maybe this new Alabama kid that ran well. We haven't talked about him. We'll talk about I'll talk about these new transfers again on the cross country show, which is mm-hmm. every Tuesday on YouTube. You should check it out. Episode one hit winning. last week. Award winning. Uh, mm-hmm. my mom watched it. She thought it was great. She loved seeing her her youngest son excel really? on the internet. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Did she have any notes? Oh, she didn't watch it. No, okay. she, no, no, no notes. Um, that's not a good endorsement then because then you're going to – even my mom won't watch it. That's not – you should probably not have said that. But maybe if your mom doesn't watch it, it makes it cool because like okay. you know, moms maybe. like you know, – they're always playing like Candy Crush on the internet. 
This is like the opposite of Candy Crush, right? I don't know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Alabama has a really good Kenyan freshman. Yeah. So he could be in the mix to maybe win individually. But yeah, Cooper Tier, he's – there's – I mean, Connor Mance gets to say he's the favorite because he's defending champ and he beat Kip too, which we thought wasn't going to happen. So right. I can't really take away from Mance yet. But uh, Cooper Tier, if it's a fast course, I, I heard Florida State's fast. Um. You gotta You've think to that, that Cooper should be able, yeah, should be able to handle it. So, you've been to that course, isn't that the same course from USA Cross a couple of years yeah. ago, Tallahassee? Okay, I've been to the course. I, ha- I haven't really seen much of it though, because I only stayed near the start finish line. Yeah, because I didn't yeah. really go. I didn't run all over the place. I was kind of just kind of staying put. So I didn't really see much of the course. I just saw like a two hundred meter stretch of the course. So I don't mm-hmm. really know too much about it, to be honest. Well, the weather obviously is going to be drastically different from what we have seen in prior years in Terre Haute or Madison. We know that. We know that. Yes. Unless there is a unbelievable cold front that goes through Florida in in the month of November. And I think that's going to change things as well too. It might even be might even be comfortable weather, right? Not only will it not be cross country weather where, you know, the, the the true believers really, really hang on to, but it might even just be completely comfortable weather, which which will definitely change change the results as well. Um we're going to talk about the London Marathon too, but we'll get to that at the end. Because remember, that one's going to be live on Flow Track on October the third. You mentioned Berlin coming up this weekend. Also got a triathlon on the site. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff here going on. But we got a guest uh, actually coming on the pod today, Gordon. It's a Friday show, so we want to bring out a guest. This guy has been all over the map, traveling all over the world post trials uh it's marvin bracy 2016 olympian marvin thank you so much for coming on how you doing appreciate you having me man thank you so tell me what the last month or so has been like you've been on a a, a bit of a tear here post olympic trials traveling a bunch how's it been for you oh man beautiful you know um just it was great to be healthy um to execute to go out and do everything i needed to do to set myself up for, for next season so tell me about the the 985. I mean, you've done two of them now, right? One pre-trials and then the first one, one and the second one. Well, I want you to compare both of them because they came at completely different okay. points in the season. So what was what was the difference in, in knocking those two out at such different points in the in the 2021 year? Well, you know, coming into this or oh, training this whole year, you know, I knew I could do it. I knew I could run very fast, especially, you know, after after what happened last year, man, it was a uh, it was a bit of a struggle, but the first time going into Miramar, like me and Trey, we train together every day. So he knew what I was capable of. My group knew what I was capable of. It was just about, you know, the opportunity and the preparation meeting itself. And so I went out there, you know, gave what I had. I had a good, I had a good prelim. And my coach told me in the back, he was like, this is, this, this final is going to be, it's going to be real nice to set it up. So, you know, obviously we run the race, we see the times and me and him, even after the race, we looking at each other like, Hey man, that ain't. I didn't really feel like no nine eight. I didn't really feel like no nine seven. But I, I mean, I overanalyzed the race. I watched it a bunch of times, and I realized that there was so much I could have did better to run faster. And so, man, it was just about going back to the drawing boards, and then else happens. And I mean, being completely honest, like I was a little bummed out about it, but I was able to get back on that horse and and train harder and come back out and run another nine eighty five. And then right then and there is when I knew, okay, like. 
it's solidified. Like I can do this. Like I can be, you know, one of the people on top of this sport. Marvin, your when you look at your resume from not really your resume, your career, there's a lot of like gaps in it, notably like from post 2016 all the way up to 2021. One, can you kind of break down like what you were doing over those three years and how your time away from the track, whether it was during your football time and or just dealing with an injury, how that has affected you going into this 2021 season and beyond? Man, when I tell you, it's it's been a journey. So I walked away after uh, after the 2016 Olympics, um, you know, and it was really a it was really an emotional based decision. I felt like you know a lot of people in this sport didn't really have my back when they needed to, and that's when I found out you know what business actually means. So I walked away and I was like, you know what, I got an itch I need to scratch, which is football. I ended up uh, trying out for the Dallas Cowboys first actually. Um, I didn't make the team. Tried out for the Indianapolis Colts. I did make the team, but I got cut after um, after training camp. You know, so I was like, okay, well, I know what I'm. I know what training camp looks like now. I know how to prepare myself. I know what I'm walking into. So the next year, you know, I got called up by the Seahawks. Again, made it through training camp. Did what I had to do. Got cut again. I was like, all right, man. You know what? I got one more. I got one more in me. I can't. I can't keep going through this like that. That's just that's just not who I am. And so the very next year, there was this new startup league called the AAF. And I was there, and I was on the Orlando team. So home, end of the season, I break my arm. I'm like, come on, man. Like, this was supposed to be my break. Everything had worked out. I finally made a team, you know, and this was gonna set me up for the future because everybody kept saying, Oh, well, he's he's performing well in training camp, but we don't really have any film on him. And it's like, well, why the hell would you care about film from college? when I'm three, four years removed and I'm showing you day to day against the people that are on your team, which, but at the end of the day, man, like you said, business is business. Um, and then I came back week six of the league and the league folded. And I, and this was, this was like yeah. March, this was like March of 2019. I was like, are you kidding me, man? But if that was ever a sign that I needed to get up out of here, that was it. So now I'm back healthy. You know, I got to lose a couple pounds because I gained, I mean, you need a little weight, you know, so I gained a couple pounds. And after the 2019 World Championships, I announced that I was coming back. Went back to my old group, started training, you know, lost all the weight, came out indoors. I ran, what, 649 behind Christian at USA's. I think he ran a 637. So I ran 649. I was like, I proved to myself. I was like, okay, you know, I still got it because 648 was my personal best. And I ran, we ran... And that actually, that's when COVID like hit and shut everything down. Mm -hmm. We're still training, just trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do from here. You know, we're going to run because all the meets is getting canceled, like everything. So we go down to Montverde Academy, run uh, Dennis was on the track meet. And I think I ran like 1031. And I knew, I knew something wasn't right, but, you know, I ain't want to make no so I'm, I come back to practice Monday, like, you know, ready to work harder, ready to run faster. And my body just wasn't feeling right, man. And. I ended up going to the hospital that Tuesday, come to find out I had uh, I had appendicitis. Mm. So it ruptures, they take it out. I was like, all right, so I was, I was in the hospital for like maybe four or five days. Get out, I'm still not feeling right. I'm like, hold on, man. I go back to the hospital, come to find out they had to do something what was called an uh, exploratory laparotomy. I think that's what it's called. They do that and 
come to find out, like I just had like I just had some blockage in one of my intestines, and I mean I'm dumbing it down, but it was it was a serious situation where I had like I'm, I'm I was stapled from the top of my belly button to down to you know my pubic area, and I had to shut my season down. So now all you see is on my record is a 1031, but I don't really care to explain it because I mean I came back and I ran fast. So my my 2020 season was shut down, and then it was about you know getting started all over again. So it's been a journey. What what was the main reason you wanted to switch or at least attempt to switch to football for those years? And you were so gung ho on making a football team, even though you had literally just made the Olympics. Like, what was your reasoning for wanting to abandon that Olympic, the next Olympic cycle in pursuit of football? I mean, it was, like I said, it was, it was more so emotional based, you know, I, they was kind of putting me in a bind and it was just playing with me and playing with my money. And so I was like, man, if this is what it's going to be, I can go and damn near make a practice squad and get more money than this. If this is how y'all going to treat me, you know, but I obviously had, you know, bigger aspirations to, you know, be an NFL star wide receiver. And I had what, and so it was like, you know, it was just believing myself, man. And if I could I would do it again. I would, I would believe in myself, you know, and, and, and even if there's a mistake, like, yes, it's just, a mistake. <clears throat> it's just a mistake that I felt like I had to make. And so I learned from it, you know, it didn't work out. And so now I'm back. You mentioned after 2016, you said people were playing with you and, and playing with your money. And that's why, okay, hey, you're looking at the NFL, obviously a lot more lucrative opportunities there. What was it that went wrong on, on the financial side in, in terms of track that was bothering you in, in 2016? Okay, so basically what happened was it was my last year on my Adidas. I was with Adidas back then. It was my last year on my deal. And, you know, I had, I was a three-time indoor USA champion. Yeah, I know people don't overvalue indoors, whatever, whatever. I got indoor silver medal. Um, I had ran nine seconds three, four times. You know what I'm saying? Um, I made the Olympic team, you know. Um, and I just felt like, you know, I wasn't asking for a million dollars. I was just asking for something better than what I was getting that could have locked me up, you know, for a couple more years in the future to secure my future. And I knew I needed, I knew I needed a surgery for a hernia repair, but I didn't, I was, I didn't say anything because if I say that, then obviously now I'm damaged goods. They don't give me my money. So I didn't think, but that's actually why I didn't run the four by one at the Olympics. But again, I never say anything. So everybody, obviously everybody has their own, you know, perception of what actually might have happened. Uh, was it my performance? Was it this? No, I just, it was an injury that I just didn't speak about because I wanted my money. So at the end of, at the end of the, they was like, oh, we're going to hold you to an option year. Now, I ain't, I ain't the smartest man in the world, but I went back and did some reading and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't really see an option year in here. I don't, I don't really want that because I'm not going to be worth a damn in the 2017 season. I knew that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted them to lock me up so that when I do come out and say, you know, this, this is what it is. Ain't really nothing. They can't take back what I already signed. So, mm -hmm. you know, once that happened, man, I just felt like, like I said, I just felt like people, you know, on the coaching side, on the agent side, I just felt like everybody was kind of, you know, just not on my side. And it wasn't going to work out in my favor. And I was like, man, I'll just walk away if that's going to be the case. So then you go and you do these tryouts. And explain to me explain to me how this works, because I'm assuming, I mean, everybody watches Hard Knocks, right? So they feel like they have an idea about how that tryout 
process works in the in the summer. But then once you get cut, what what do you do? Are you trying still to stay in shape to get on a team like later on in the year? Are you thinking, hey, maybe I'll go back to the track for indoors? Like, where's your mindset? No. at? What are you doing? Honestly, man, I and, I and I wish I thought like that on the latter half. I wish I would have been like, you know, what? I'll just I'll still run track in the meantime, just to mm-hmm. kind of be doing something. But it was like, man, you just stay in shape for the, you know, and hope a team call you because it can happen like that. Like, actually, the Cowboys cut Lucky Whitehead. I was like five or I was like five or six weeks post like the hernia surgery. So, but they called me up like, hey, we want to try you out, you know, because he's a fast guy. They want another fast guy to replace him. I'm like five weeks nervous. I'm like, man, you know, I go in there and do what I could, like four or five and a 40. And they did not like that. So I didn't make the team. They didn't care about nothing else. They was like, man, we, we good. So then I went back to, you know, went back to training. Now I know what these tryouts look like. And so I get called up like a week later by the Indianapolis Colts. I go and I run a 40. I think I ran like four, three, something like four, three, five or something. And right there, they didn't care what else I did. They signed me. So you just try to stay in shape, man, in hopes that a team call you. But the only way they can't really call you is if somebody gets injured. So, but you don't, you know, pray on somebody's downfall. So, but them weeks, man, them weeks go to flying by, flying by, flying by. And the next thing you know, it's the end of the season. You're like, well, better luck next year. Mm. You're, you're running a 985 twice in 2021. Has that gotten the eye of any NFL teams being like, oh, he's still, he's still pretty quick? Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. It wouldn't even matter at this point. <laughs> it would not. It would not. I, I, I have no... I have no more aspirations to play football. Like once I, you know, did what I had to do and showed that, you know, I'm still capable of running fast times on the track. Like it's, it's just no point in going back at this point. Cause it's, that's, that's y'all think, y'all think track is a political game and there's a lot of politics in that as well. And I'm not sitting here saying that I was outright better than every guy that walked in that locker room. Now it was, man, I didn't see some, it's some players, man. Like even dudes y'all, y'all never heard about. It's some dudes that can play football especially at the receiver position, but it's just about, man, they, they go off, you know, experience and where you played at and how long you've been around and, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, I was always, you know, the last man in, first man out. And it is what it is. So Marvin, big thing in the track and field community. I'm sure you see it on Twitter, track Twitter, the comparison of like football speed and track speed. You see something, you see, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, talk shit on uh, Usain Bolt and back and forth. And basically the track community always feels disrespected because they don't know what true speed, the, the, the rest of the world doesn't know what real fast is. As someone who's been involved in both cultures of being trying out for football, but also knowing true what real speed is by being a nine, eight guy doing, you know, being in the track world, how can we, as a, as a podcast kind of elevate the, what, what, what is wrong with the whole debate? What is right about the whole debate? Like, is there See, any truth that some football think, players are actually pretty fast? You know, what, what, what's there, listen, there, there the are some, there are some, yeah. there are some guys that, that in the NFL had, they, you know, properly trained for track, maybe could have, you know, made something shake, but it, it is just, it's, it's not a debate. Like they just, yeah. Okay. Naturally, if you take a, 100-meter runner off of a track and put him on grass, yet he run a little slower. That's going to happen just naturally because of the surface. But it doesn't, it's not like he gets slow. It's not like he comes down to like, like from rare human form to just human form. 
It's not like guys that run 4-7 will catch him. Like, he's still going to beat you by a mile. It's just not going to look like it looks on a track. Now, however, as far as just pure athleticism, yeah, they got that. Like, that, that's an athletic sport, you know? Like, people, you got to be you gotta be a dude out there, man. But it, as, as far as speed goes, man, like, it, it, it's just not a comparison. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, what DK did was, 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 was impressive. You know, running 10-3, only training for six weeks or whatever he did, that was impressive. But it's like, you got to realize, man, like, and, you know, obviously everybody's going to, oh, if he had this time of training. Listen, man, y'all don't understand. 100 meters is long. And it's some fast dudes. And might I add, might I add, it's no disrespect to the people that were there. But you didn't have a Marvin Bracey. You didn't have a Trayvon Bromel. You didn't have a Christian Coleman, a Ronnie Baker, a Noah Lott. You didn't have those guys in that race. We're talking about the 9798 guys. You know, you didn't have those guys. Like I think like 999 maybe, maybe won the race. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the top guys in the world. Like Because the, the first thing they do is they throw out the word, oh, he has world-class speed. Y'all don't know what world-class speed is. <laughs> and it's you not sound as frustrated as we are. <laughs> three is not world class speed. Yeah. yeah, like it's not because it's. I'll be just sitting at home. Like I be want to say something that's so bad, but it's like y'all don't understand world class. We every breaks open a run. Oh, he made it to twenty miles an hour. Our women run. They run faster than that. Like that's not world class speed. Speed, but if you put him next to the people in the rest of the world, it's not gonna look as good. I promise you that. Oh, when when you were when you were practicing at these football facilities. And you kind of probably had like to your name, oh, he's an Olympian, right? Was there any like conversations about speed w- among fellow athletes that you were training a- a- with and against, or like was there any conversation about like, oh, here's Marvin's oh, the track guy on oh, this, yeah. on this practice squad in Seattle? Um, I had a it was like my first day of practice because they, you they sign you on like an off day, so that you don't see the rest of the team. So then you come in the next day, you just go through meetings, and now you're just another face and a number, you know? I think my very first, my very first play was a one-on-one against Byron Maxwell. And I had Russell Wilson, and he sent me, I had a slant, but they called, they called it a slant, but he sent me on the go route. Ran past him, made him stop running. And everybody's looking at me like, hold on. This... But the twins, Shaquem and Shaquille, they were there. They know me, you know, they're from Florida, so they know who I am, but they don't say nothing. I run past him and everybody's like, man, what the hell? You know, who, who's this guy? And then it wasn't until like later that day we had a meeting. And before every meeting, they got a basket in the uh, in the meeting room and we do one v one like shooting competition. So they always put like people's football picture, but they didn't have one for me. So they put my Olympic picture and then everybody was looking at me like, <laughs> that makes <No>. sense. <laughs> exactly. So then everybody was looking at me like, oh, okay, now it makes sense why he ran past this man like it was nothing. I want to go back to, to something you said earlier about, you said, hey, you guys think track is political, NFL, football, team sports in general on a different level, because at least with track, there's some objective measures. And yeah, there's going to be debate, hey, who's on the relay team, who's off the relay team, right. who gets to race it, pre-Fontaine Classic, who doesn't get to race it pre. But like, there's a limit to it, <laughs> right, Mark? I know I, I probably struck a, a, a nerve there with you about pre. But, like, there's a limit to how political it can be yeah. in track because if you keep showing up and you keep running nine eights, eventually they got to let you run, and eventually you're going to qualify for an Olympic team. Did you right. did you see it the same way between an individual sport like track and a team sport like football? Oh, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, man, like, that, 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 that pre thing, that pre thing hurt because it was like, bro, like, I just felt like it was just some people that – that shouldn't have been over me. You know, it wasn't one. It was a couple guys. I just felt like that shouldn't have been over me. 
And it is what it is. You know, they're going to do what they want to do. That's their track. That's their facility. So I couldn't do nothing but go and continue to do what I did to put, you know, the rest of the world to notice. Like, because I even got, you know, I didn't get into Brussels. And I'm like, you know, hold on now. All right. Now, now, now y'all really tripping. But it is what it is because I can only race where I'm welcome. I can only race who shows up, you know. So, but it is, like you said, man, it is, it is very political in team sports but out here in an individual sport like you said you just got to keep the performances and showing people like all right like this is what i'm worth like i'm worth a lane like just give me an opportunity because you'll never see what i'm capable of until you give me the opportunity take me back to Marvin, uh, to the trials i know it wasn't a a, a good experience for you but i just i, I just want to know what what you remember about that race and obviously how it fueled you for post trials so I'm I'm kind of like a bit of an extremist, meaning like I when it, on race day, like I do everything exactly the same, like down to like damn near to the movie I watch, leading up to when I leave for like the, the track. So I do everything the same. I did eight the same things. I prepared the same way. I actually came out a little bit more ready the day of the semis because I'm like, okay, that 10-0 felt kind of easy, you know? Like maybe I can I can go out here and do something. Like, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking make the team. I'm thinking, you know, win this bitch. Like, you know, that go out there and, and get it done. And so I came out, prepared the same way, looked great in the warm-up. And I got out good the first time, the first gun. You remember we had a reshoot, but we had a green card. So I'm like, man, just, I'm telling myself, just do the same things, get out hard, and go. Do the same things, man, at about 15 meters. And it was not a, it, the thing is, it wasn't a pointer. It was literally just like a flicker in the lower right side of my hamstring. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I thought about running through it, but I was like, you know what? I ain't gonna do it because I can make it so much worse. So I just stopped and I mean, truth be told, it hurt, you know? Cause I felt like I had just as fair a shot as anybody else to make that team. And it took, it took, and I, the crazy part is I was back running in like four days. When we look at the, the men's hundred in the US, it's probably the deepest it's been in a long time especially now going into 2022 you're gonna have the return of coleman obviously you have bromel there you have what four, five guys who've now run nine eight in 2021 you being one of them and not even, that's not even including someone like noah lyles and michael norman who both have shown they can be fast in the 200. um how do you think it's going do you think how do you think the 100 going to play out obviously <laughs> taking yourself out of it obviously you think you're going to be first second or third probably you think you're first but like removing yourself from the equation what do you think the landscape is like with the bromel baker curly veneric lyles uh dynamic like who, who who's the top dog right now that's one one thing we are struggling because we thought the top dog was bromel but man then it's kind of it's bromel freaky like i fell off you know so that's, who's that's the top a, man, dog I, you got to I mean, listen, when you, the fact remains, man, Fred, Fred, you know, the man doing his thing right now, he 100, 200. So he probably went 800 if you ask him to, you know, the man is, the man is, he's, 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 he's wrecking shop. Like he's winning everything. Like he's, he's winning everything. Like he's diamond league champ. You know what I'm saying? Uh, running fast times. He's ran, he's capability of run nine, seven, you know, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, next year, I think that, you know, maybe him, it'll be, maybe a little harder in the sense that not that he's going to run slow. It's just that now everything he's doing is no longer a surprise. Now we expect him for it to show up for the hundreds. No, when he announced that, everybody was like, uh, you're going to do what now? You're a 400 guy. So I guess, uh, what do you think the emergence of, what do you think it's going to be like with Coleman back? Do you think he'll be able to, to 
take off from where he last was being the 2019 world champ? Or do you think it's going to take time? Like, what do you think? I mean, I watched that dude and I asked him, it was funny because I asked him after the 2020 indoor USA championships, I was like, Hey man, why you, why you open up at USA's? And he was like, man, I just, you know, I just thought out, you know, come out, make the team go to worlds. And he said it so casually. I was just like, all right. So, I mean, after watching him do that, I mean, I, he, he's going to be ready in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? That's what you got to expect. Like you got to expect the unexpected out here because I mean, the man was, you know, basically already anointed the Olympic champion. So he's coming back, you know, with a vengeance, like he's going to come back, you know, with everything he's got. And we just got to be ready. You ran a uh, nine, eight twice. Uh, Curly's run a nine, eight, a couple times. Baker's done it. Romel's obviously been in the nine sevens. Um, what do you, what do you think we're going to be seeing from the U.S. men in 2022? Like, do you see a situation where because we have all these nine eight guys and nine seven guys going at it, that it could result in potentially going after you know Tyson Gay's American record? I, I actually I said it I said it like man I don't know who's going to get it. Would love to get it myself, you know, keep it in the family. But I do think that it's going to be challenged, man, because now you got so many people that have the capability of running that fast, like somebody's going to, somebody's going to push somebody, you know, to get there. And then we got, you know, we got the level of plant field this year where we ain't gotta be traveling for 10, 11, 12, 13 hours to go run in somebody else's country. Y'all gotta come to us. So you get to sleep it on. We get to take, you know, a two, three hour flight to go and not worry about jet lag and not worry about, you know, readjusting to this and not worry about, you know, the food conditions and stuff like that because you get a lot of people complaining about, you know, the food at track meets and stuff like that. Not everything is Americanized. So I think it's it's set up. And then, I mean, it's Oregon. You know, it's something special going to happen on that track. Like, I mean, y'all watched, you know, the Olympic trials this year. Like, something something special is going to happen on that track. You talked about all your struggles um, from, from 14 on, the, the, the health issues, getting cut, going back and forth between track and football. But Trayvon himself, obviously, has had just a wild ride in the sport as well, too. Do you guys, do you guys talk about that at all? Is that, is that something that, that you've reflected on uh, now that you guys are in, I guess you could say the second half of your career now? He would always tell me, man, you should go talk about it. You should go talk about this. And I'm like, man, listen, at the end of the day, people only care about what happened to you when you win. I ain't really doing nothing. So, you know, I ain't winning races. I ain't running fast time. So people don't want to hear about it. Cause now it sounds like a loser's limp, you know, now it sounds like I'm making excuses, which that's not something I do. So when the time comes, you know, I'm going to tell, you know, I could tell the story about like earlier, you know, what happened to me with the surgeries because, you know, people say, oh, well, he ran 1031, you know, in 2020. So these times can't be this. No, but not one person took the time to ask me, damn, like what happened? You know, because I ran one race, like I ran one race all of 2020, one outdoor race, and that's not a little fishy, you know? So it's like, I tell that story when the time comes, but just... With him, man, we we continue to push each other because we continue to know we know what each other been through. Like I watched this man, you know, get rolled off and then come back and start dropping times. And so with that, man, like we we definitely we definitely talk about it, but it's off the track. Marvin, in when you ran in uh, Budapest, did you run on that four by one for USA? Yes, yeah, I was the first leg. Okay, how oh. did Eric Sawinski 
800 meter runner <laughs> end up being the anchor of that four by one? How did this, yes. how did that happen? What like what's the story behind that? You gotta explain it. Who asked him to right, be on it? So, did he ask to be on it? Like what happened? So I think I think the guys, his agent. I don't know if I don't know if Robert Wagner is his agent or whatever. But so the, the team was supposed to be me, Mike Rogers, um, Isaiah Young, and Elijah Hall. Elijah Hall ran the one and the two, and I think I think he'd have had like a hamstring problem. Or he was just tired or something, and it was like, man, we gonna we gotta find somebody else. So we you know we searching, we searching, and then somebody asked Eric, and Eric was like, y'all do it. And so I was like, listen, <laughs> I was like, Eric, listen, we're gonna try to get you to leave. Just hang on. <laughs> was there like practice? Not- teach him how to do the exchange. Like, what was that like? Like we had we had no time. We just had to like, I was just like, man, give them like 40 steps. Well, Marvin, we thank you so much uh, for your time. Congrats on the, the, the great 2021 season. We're, we're going to have our eyes obviously on the men's hundred next year, as Gordon mentioned, could be the deepest in U.S. history. We, we appreciate you. Enjoy your off season and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Man. Thank you guys for having me, man. I look forward to speaking with you guys again. Thank you. Thank you to our guest, Marvin Bracey, on the pod. Gordon, you got in. Man, I got to give you so much props, Gordon, because we had the rundown, right? We had, hey, we want to hit this topic, that topic, this topic. But I could see the wheels turning midway through the interview when you realized that that Marvin was on the most famous 4 by one at least of 2021. You know, with with the Eric Sawinski anchor. And we never got a, we never got a response. I tried to figure out, like, from, from anybody else at that race, tried to figure it out, hey, this is a mystery we need to solve, right? I want to do a spinoff nine-part investigative podcast series <laughs> trying to get to the bottom of how Eric Swinsky ended up on the anchor. Didn't do it. You realize, boom, midway through the interview, hey, we have his teammate right now on our podcast. We can solve this. And you did it. That's great journalism, Gordon. Yeah. And it makes sense the way it happened, right? They were basically going down the list of fastest yeah. guys left that were American and then eventually they got down to, you know, Eric Sawinski. And Eric's like, sure, why not? It makes sense that he would be willing to do it because Sawinski loves racing. He just will race and race and race. But yeah, um, I'm happy they did it. And they didn't just like, all right, we're going to – maybe they felt like – maybe they had in their contract they had to run a 4 by one to represent – to do represent a Team USA 4 by one So they couldn't just DNS. So Eric Sawinski saved their, their butts to make sure they got their appearance fee money in the 4 by one and, yeah, uh, and it had to be Team Eric USA. Had some fun with it. Yeah, it had, it had to be Team, team USA. USA too. It was great. Uh, okay, we're going to talk uh, real quick before we go. London Marathon, as, as we've mentioned before, streaming live on FlowTrack coming up in, in a couple of weeks. Wanted to first talk about this men's field, Gordon. It's very, very, very deep. You have six guys in this race with PBs under 204, and that's not even including the defending champion, Shura Katata, who has a PB of 204.49, but you have uh, the number three man in history, Ferhanu Legese. You have the number four in he- in history, Mosinet Garamu. You have a guy who ran 202.57 this year in Titus Akiru. This thing is going to be in incredibly quick. I looked it up. I want to know the stat. Hey, what's the most amount of people that have ever broken that 204 barrier in one meet? Because London could do it, and the, the record is four from from Valencia. So we could see that mark um, go down this year, maybe five guys under 204 in the same race. What are you most looking forward to on the, on the men's side of things here? 
I think we just said, right? The depth. That's the story of this race is someone running 203.50 and being fifth in a race. It's like incredible to be that fast, yet that, you know, far back in the in the results. Um, so I'm excited to see kind of the pack of guys go together and see if they can kind of make history and have what would be the a deepest race of all time. I mean, when you have, like you said, seven guys who've all run in the range of being able to break 204 led by yeah. you know the two two oh two the three two oh two guys in Legacy uh Germo and Ikuru it's just like the sky's the limit and I'm excited to see the depth I'm excited to see basically racing seasons back right we mm-hmm. the it's the fall we haven't had many marathons obviously for almost two years we had a London marathon Though on the like a weird closed course that was kind of yeah. unique um, during uh, last year, but now it's back to the normal world, back to the regular racing, and it's back to see a lot of these these guys run fast times once again because a lot of their marks are maybe a year old, two years old. They kind of want to update that and uh, put together a fast race on London, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then outside of Kenya, Ethiopia, you got. Johnny Meller of Great Britain, 210.05. He was 13th in the race last year. Tristan Woodfin of Canada, 210.51, which was his PB in this race last year, which put him in contention for the Canadian Olympic team. Ultimately did not make that team, but but those are two names to watch as well. Perhaps they can get another PB. Now that I know the course is, is different, but we have to assume that the weather is going to be better. I guess you can never assume anything about weather in London, but... Last year, the conditions were pretty bad. The conditions were pretty bad. The, yes, the course was fast on the loop course, but the regular course is fast as well, too. So we could see um, not just that that first group of five go incredibly quick, but maybe some PRs farther down the field as well. Um, women's side of things, go ahead. I was going to say, how do you think those other – obviously, we have that big group up front who are all in the 205 yeah. range, 204 potentially. How do you think these 210 runners, notably you know, the top – British athlete, the top Canadian athlete, Meller and Woodfine, approach this race knowing they may not be ready to run 203. I don't think they're ready for a seven-minute PB. Yeah. But they, they are probably looking to you know break 210, run in the, maybe a 208, 209, because yeah. this is a vast course. So how do you think these non-top-tier athletes are going to focus to kind of still get together, put together a good race? Yeah, I think they got to work together, right? They got to collaborate, and they'll probably be another – pace group at least initially and then they got to find each other on the back half and find some people who are falling off that 203 pace later on and and have folks to chase this is the situation that a lot of americans are in right now on the men's side that 210 barrier is just sitting there hey is this going to be the race where it happens and you put together these really really loaded fields there's going to be some drop off there there's going to be people who who come back to earth in, in the second half and and those are passable people because they are now positive splitting and ideally the other folks are either negative splitting or at least maintain the pace but yeah they're gonna have to find each other out there and i think that they can i think that they can do it i think 2020's race was obviously to the benefit uh, of some people because they just they like that loop course or wish we're having a great great day but th- i don't think there's any reason why they can't improve off of off of those those marks but you don't have Kipchoge in there to sort of drag everything along, right? But you make up for that in just sheer depth. 
because there's been fast London marathons before, obviously the, the year Kipchoge went, went 202. He, he brought people along with him, but that it, it kind of dropped off. And then you went, you know, 202 high to all the way to 205 basically. Right. Or, you know, so this, this year, I think you have an opportunity where you're going to have more people. Um, you could have more people 205. You could have more people even, you know, 20, you know, 204. That the, the the race I'm referencing, that 2019 race, right? That's when Kipchoge was 202.37, and then third place was 203.16, but then fourth place was all the way up at um, at 205. I think this could be, you know, maybe not as fast up front, but the totality of it will be will be and can be quicker. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Women. So the women's side of things, like I said, I I put the um, I put a full written preview up on the site people can check it out uh, on flow track but i did want to talk about um we talked about cos guy before bridget cos guy world record holder she's the favorite coming in silver medal at the olympics gonna have a quick turnaround but jocelyn jep i think is a, a name to watch from kenya this is just her third marathon gordon her other two races went really well one new york city which is a challenging hilly course second in valencia which is more in line with what you'll see in London in terms of flat and fast. She's the former world record holder in the half marathon. She's had a proper buildup, which sets her apart from all the other contenders. She won the Berlin half at the end of August, but she didn't run in the Olympics. And you go down through the line of other competitors, they range all the way from cause guy who got silver to some folks who dropped out. And you can say, all right, well, they dropped out. How much energy did they really ex expend? Well, they at least prepped for that race. And that race was only, eight weeks ago. So I think Jeb Kozgai is, is a name to watch. It's going to be tough to beat Kozgai, obviously, but I think her 218 PB is, is very, very likely to go down in this race. And I think with the right setup, she can, she can get this victory. And she, I think out of everybody else, even though there's people with better PRs and a longer marathon history, she might actually be best positioned to win just because of how the last few uh, months have gone, Gordon. Yeah, I feel like uh, she's going to be uh, a kind of a test for all these major marathons that are so close to the Olympics to see if that there is that advantage, if there is that advantage to not having to prepare for an August marathon in the Olympics in a different country. You're flying, you're quarantining, all that stuff takes away time and energy beyond just the 26 miles that you have to run. And if she's kind of a, a poster child for you get, you get better, you have more success if you kind of get to approach the marathon in a normal way, as opposed to quick turnarounds, which a lot of these athletes are doing because of the unique condensed marathon schedule. So she could be one of those athletes who benefits greatly from the situation that we're in and that the, the benefiting from the situation she has, but the, she also has the talent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's former world it's record it's holder in, in the half. So it's a combination of both. Um, when you put those two things together, she maybe she should be the betting favorite, you know, when all is said and done based on the, the, the multiple factors. Mm -hmm. Like we mentioned, this race, October 3rd, Sunday. Check it out live on FlowTrack. I'm going to be waking up early. I'm going to be doing a live watch party. It'll be on YouTube. Uh, Gordon will not be there because he'll be out of town on assignment doing doing some, some very important work for, for the website. So I will have a special guest joining me where we'll announce next week and 
we're going to talk through the entire marathon, just like Lincoln and I did through the Olympics for the men and women. So it'll be exciting. But the only difference is I'm getting up now at, I'm probably staying up now that I think about it. I'm actually going to stay <laughs> up because I think we're going to go live at 2.30 and then the first marathon runners take off at 3. So we're basically going to go like 2.30 to 5.30 or something like that for both the races, maybe even go all the way to 6. And then, as I told you before, I'm going to, Go home, try to sleep, because then we're celebrating my son. My son's birthday party is that day at 11 a.m. So please send your prayers my way. That's going to be a rough Sunday for Kevin. I'm excited. So tune I, in. I think I'm more excited. Tune in, I'm... please. We got people all over the world. Go onto YouTube. Tune in. I don't want to log on on Sunday morning and not see the chat filled. So do it if you're in Europe. I'm also ex- I'm excited to see you doing the podcast on Monday. Because you'll have been pulling like an all nighter, then the the their birthday party, and then we get to do a recap. I want a play by play recap of that birthday experience on that Monday morning pod. You're gonna get the whole day. You're gonna get a, a blow by blow of what I did. Like, hey, I fell asleep from mile seventeen to eighteen, and then I fell asleep when I was supposed to be blowing up the bounce house and uh, <laughs> took a nap in the ice cream. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough, but we'll have more information next week on on specific live show. But th- those of you who watch on on YouTube or I've subscribed to the Flow Track podcast YouTube channel. You, you know where we're going to be, and we got a lot of folks in in Europe and overseas who listen where the where the marathon starts at a normal time. But if you're a fanatic like we are, and you want to join us, and you want someone to watch the race with, it's going to be us. And my co-host is not going to be Gordon. It might even be someone who knows more about the goings on on the other side of the pond than Gordon. Yes, it's always good. It's when not Elite Kipchoge. It's not, it's not Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only but Gordon's maybe. allowed to talk to Elliot Kipchoge. And they talk about vaccines because that's what happened last time. <laughs> uh, okay. I was a representative of the U.S. Yeah. Hey, hey. You're the spokesperson. So uh, Monday we won't be live on YouTube, but we'll have another pod. And then we'll be back live hopefully on, on Wednesday. Thanks for bearing with us, the live people. We love you. We'll be back to talk to you in the chat. I don't even know if you're listening to this now because maybe you only watch live. Thanks to Marvin Bracey. Thanks to Colt. Have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see you Monday.